Has your tongue ever gotten you in trouble? Maybe I need to rephrase that. When is the last time your tongue got you in trouble? If you're like me, all of us have said something, then, then we wished we'd never had said it. Maybe we said something in anger. Maybe we were jealous of someone and we, we shot out a, a comment that we shouldn't have made. Maybe we found ourselves actually manipulating other people. Or maybe you were just trying to be witty. And in the midst of that, you said something inappropriate that you wished you hadn't said. Well, as you know, once we say our words and they come out of our mouth, they're out there. We can't pull them back. And today we're going to talk about our words. We're going to continue our summer series called Move, which is a journey through the book of James. And in it, we're going to discuss faith in our words from James chapter 3. Our words are very powerful. We are about to be challenged by James to control our tongues, to learn to hold our tongues. In a country graveyard stands a tombstone, and it says these words, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. I think that's very funny. It took quite a while for her to hold her tongue, and of course, not the best circumstances. As one wise person observed, as you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. Or as someone else wisely said, a closed mouth gathers no foot. You know, the old foot-in-mouth problem. Well, in Proverbs chapter 13, verses, verse 3, it tells us this. Those who control their tongue have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. And I love that line. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Well, as we get into this, this passage and begin to talk about the tongue, I want to go to Psalm 19, and I want our prayer at the beginning of this to be a prayer that, that David prayed at the end of Psalm 19 after he had beautifully described God's word in that psalm. He said these words, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. I'm going to read that again as a prayer for us today. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, let's move on now to, to James chapter 3. And if you've brought your Bibles with you or if you have your Bibles, please open them up to James chapter 3. Here in James chapter 3, he's going to talk about the tongue, as I've been saying. And what we're going to see is James is very serious about this issue. And in fact, he's extremely straightforward in addressing the issue of the tongue. So it's in James chapter 3, he begins to address the church. And it's interesting, I think what's happening here is that James realizes that the tongue is a huge battle for all of us. And so he, in keeping his, his thoughts on the tongue, he becomes very direct right away in teaching us that this battle is important for us to take. James knows that, that we won't gear up for this battle and, and seriously consider it unless we recognize 
the magnitude of the damage our tongues can do. It's a great problem for all of us. So he begins by using some beautiful, vivid illustrations to open our eyes about how serious this issue is. And the first one that he talks about is teachers. For he begins to show us right away that the tongue is a serious matter. And here's what he says about teachers, teachers of God's word. Not many of you, verse 1, should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. James understood that teaching had a high responsibility to it and that teachers will be held in the strictest standards. And none of us is particularly qualified for that. So we must be serious about this when we begin to talk about teaching God's word. Well, then he begins to move on in verse 2 and bring it to all of us, not just the teachers. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Well, what an understatement, isn't it? We all stumble in, any, in many ways. Yes, we do. We seem to almost always get it wrong when we begin to open our mouths. And after saying that we're all stumbling and, and struggling with this, verse 2, he continues, anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Well, if you find someone whose words are perfectly true, then you have found the perfect person whose life is perfectly in control. But James is basically telling us you won't find very many people like that. And in keeping in front of us the idea that the tongue is a very serious matter, he says, hey, we stumble. We are faulting in this area, and we need to realize how serious it is. It was in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, that our Lord and Savior Jesus began to talk about this same thing concerning our tongue. In Matthew 12, 36, 37, he says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Even Jesus wanted everyone who knew him and heard his words to recognize that the way we speak and how we use our tongue is a very serious matter, and we will be accountable for all our words. I want us to pause for a second right here, and I want us to think about what I've just been sharing about how serious this is. Because there's a passage in Proverbs chapter 18 that really brings it together for me. In Proverbs 18.21, it tells us the tongue has the power of life and death. I'm going to say that again. In, in Proverbs 18.21 tells us the tongue has the power of life and death. Did you know your tongue was that powerful? And in fact, as we talk about the tongue, and it begins to talk about the words we speak, but I want to take it a little bit farther because even though James is talking about the seriousness of the tongue and, and it, that it's so important that we need to discuss it, I think we also need to extend this to not only the words we speak, but maybe the tweets we tweet or, or the posts we put on social media. Because the truth is, as we just read in Proverbs, 
Our tongue has the power. Our words have the power of life and death. And the way we speak will invite other people to live or they will, we will be inviting other people to die. Now, when we invite other people to live, and although that seems very extreme, the Proverbs makes it very clear. That's how strong and powerful our tongues are. When we invite others to live, what we are doing is we are having words spoken to them or tweets or, or messages that we give to them that affirm them. We invite them to live when we encourage. We invite them to live when we lift them up and we bring joy in their life or express love to them or spark their faith with words that take them forward or we speak words that give hope with the result being that they walk away with a heart that is glad and freedom in their souls. That's how we speak words of life to other people. But we can also speak, unfortunately, words that invite other people to die. Where instead of affirming, we criticize. Instead of encouraging, we bring discouragement into their life. Instead of lifting up, we pull them down with stealing their joy, extinguishing that love that we talked about, maybe crippling their faith or destroying the hope that they have in their hearts, with the result being that they feel judged, maybe ridiculed, and in a place of bondage. And so as we think about the seriousness of this matter, I want to ask you, have your words been words that you've been inviting life to other people, or are they been words that invite people to die? Our words are such a serious matter, and James starts off with letting us know that. But then he moves on, and he begins to take these images that I talked about, starting with the image of a teacher, and now he begins to bring other images. I just love this about James, because sometimes when we want to understand and learn biblical principles, it's so much easier when we see images in our mind, and we can use our imagination to understand the principles of God's word. And so James uses three common images to make his point in the next couple of verses. And that point is this, that the tongue is small, but it is powerful. Just as I mentioned, it has the power to invite people to live and die. He goes on and takes it a bit further. And the first image he gives us is in verse three, the image of a bit in a horse's mouth. Let me read it to us. When we put bits in the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. And so that first image is a small bit in the, horse of an, or in the mouth of a horse and in which we can control the horse. And he's making it very clear, just like the tongue, that bit is small, but it's powerful. So is our, are our words. He takes it further with another image. And this is an image that I'm a little bit more in tune with. He uses the image of a rudder on a ship. Look at what verse four tells us. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now just think about this for a minute. I want you to think about a boat, not just any boat. I want you to think about a great big, huge boat. Maybe it's a cargo ship. Maybe it's a, an aircraft carrier, if you can imagine that. Or maybe it's a cruise ship, if you've been on one of those. And they are huge ships. And how do they get turned by 
using the rudder. Now, I, my hometown is Godrich. Godrich is on Lake Huron, and it has this beautiful harbor. And right on that lake front is a salt mine, as well as a whole bunch of grain mills. And so what happens is, is if you go to Godrich Harbor, all the, all the time there's these huge ships coming in to be either filled with salt or filled with grain. And as they come in, and we used to go down all the time, and in fact, if you ever go to Godrich and, and a boat's coming in, you'll see people lined up in their cars to watch because these boats come in and they're high on the water. And as they're being brought into the harbor, you can see this huge rudder, but it's only huge compared to you and I. And you'd see the rudder sticking out of the water because the boat is so high. And then they fill it up and the, and the rudder goes under the water for, for most of the way. And as I would look at that, I'd just be amazed at how huge this boat was. But compared to the boat, the rudder was so small. And to be amazed at that rudder, so small compared to the boat, had the power to turn that boat and to steer it. And that's what James is telling us. Like a bit in the horse's mouth or a small rudder compared to the size of the ship. He says in verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And so our tongue, being small part of our body, is very powerful, and we have to be so cautious with it. And in fact, he continues on, and he uses the third illustration. And if you can picture this, he says, consider, consider what a for great forest is set on fire by a small Spark, there it is, the small spark causing a great fire. And you know, I'm sure you've been watching as well as I have, that out west and then more recently in the northwest of Ontario, the terrible, devastating forest fires that have taken place. And they've probably all started with either just a spark of lightning or some other way in which they started. And we need to understand from what James is telling us that these small things make a big difference. So let's not under underestimate the power of our words. And that's what James is trying to get across to us. But he continues on and he uses two more word pictures for us again to get the sense of what the tongue is like. For he begins to then tell us that the tongue is uncontrollably dangerous. And of course, that's kind of been underlined in everything I have said so far. And so if we look at verse 6, he goes from the spark to now the fire. He says, the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Wow, more powerful words from James about our tongue. And it's, it starts with a, a spark, he says, and then it leads to this fire that takes place and some careless or wrong word that we might speak out of our mouth can begin to do that. What an image. In fact, by our words, we can bring pain to the world. We can turn peace into chaos. We can ruin someone's reputation. We can send the whole world up in smoke and we ourselves can go up in smoke with it, James is saying. And then he says, right from the pit of hell is where all this takes place. And so a fire started with a little spark becomes uncontrollably dangerous as we've experienced. 
And once it starts, once that fire starts, it's almost impossible, quite difficult to put out because it becomes unpredictable and uncontrollable. And what I want you to do is imagine with me that once our words have been spoken and they have the power to spread like a wildfire. This kind of reminds me of of a nephew of mine who was with one of his friends one summer and, and they were very curious about fire. And he was a, in high school at this time, and, and the two of them decided they were going to give, give it a shot and try something, a little experiment. So they went to a field in the town that they were in that was quite dry because of, a, of the dry season. And, he, and they lit a little fire on this, in this field that was right in their town. Well, this experiment immediately got out of control. From, it went from this little fire they started to, to build and curious to see what would happen to suddenly the fire spread quickly. The wind blew and, and all of a sudden that entire field was on fire. The next thing you know, 911 had to be called and they were putting out, uh, the fire trucks were putting out all that fire in that field. And my poor nephew had no intention of this happening. But what a great example of the fact that our words can light a fire. It can, once they come out, if they're doing the wrong thing, they can cause almost like a wildfire. And that's what James is telling us. And specifically thinking about that, I think about the fact that when gossip is shared or, or rumors are shared with other people, maybe criticism and lying to other people or complaining or manipulating, it's like that little spark that could send a fire throughout an entire social gra- gathering or a group of people. And that's a dangerous thing and it's a destructive thing. But imagine the opposite if we could just for a minute. I know James doesn't go there, but just imagine the opposite of what can happen if our words are those words of life I talked about. And suddenly, instead of it being those negative things I just mentioned, maybe if it was we were talking more about prayer or sharing the truth or giving comfort and peace to other people or understanding where they're coming from and expressing that, or maybe even sharing God's word and the truth of the gospel. Just imagine then with me if those words were spoken and they began to spread like a wildfire. Well, that's what the tongue is capable of. And that's what our prayer is as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, that it would spread like a wildfire and touch the hearts of many people. But that is what James is showing us with the fire. He says the tongue is a fire. And he went through all the negative. And then he continues and talks about the tongue a little bit more and begins to compare it, another image of wild animals. And he says all kinds of animals, verse 7, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's telling us that, yes, just like you've maybe seen at a circus or a fair, animals that have been trained, elephants, lions jumping through hoops, maybe a tiger. He says, we've learned as human beings to tame these animals. But then he says very clearly, no one can contain or tame the tongue. No one can tame this restless evil full of deadly poison. 
And when the tongue is used for the negative way that he's talking about, one of the images I began to think about was imagine that you saw a poisonous snake in front of you in a field coming towards you. Well, that's the image of a wild animal that can't be tamed and that the danger of the poison and what it could bring when it begins to spread. It's a relentless evil, he says, full of deadly poison. Now, as I mentioned, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of concern because uh, James is wanting us to understand the potential of what the tongue can do in a negative way. He ends with these words and this topic in which he shares that the tongue is terribly inconsistent. He says to us in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, he says, this should not be. This is where he begins to talk about how we need to be consistently people of integrity. Because one minute we could be blessing the Lord, honoring him with our talk, honoring him with our praise and our worship. And then the next minute we could be cursing, hurting another person. And and it's so clear that they were made in the same image as us who were made in the God's image. And James declares, this should not be. We need to be consistent. We need to be people that have a good witness and are known by love, not by our, by our words of criticism or negativity. And he's basically declaring, this should not go on. And then he asks a couple of rhetorical questions. Verse 11, and if you follow with me, he asks these questions. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the obvious answer is no. Well, then he asks, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? And the answer is no. Or a grapevine bear figs? No, they can't. Neither can salt, a salt spring produce fresh water. And what we're seeing from from these words now is the principle that if we are people who follow Christ and want to honor him, then these words should not be coming out of our mouth. That the tongue that can be so inconsistent and terribly inconsistent, God desires that we would be consistent. Because the fruit of our lives is what will come out of our tongues. And what we say, our words are that fruit. And the fruit is really a resemblance of the condition of our heart. And they should always reflect Jesus. There's another, Proverbs is filled with words about the tongue. There's another passage in Proverbs 4.23. We are exhorted this way. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. He is saying, watch over your heart, because where your heart is, that's where your words will come out. And I want you to see the pattern here, because what is in our heart 
ends up moving into our minds, and then after it goes into our thoughts in our mind, then it ends up coming out of our mouth. And if we have a heart, as he said, watch over your heart with diligent, diligence, because out of it springs, uh, flows the springs of life, if we take that seriously, we begin to realize that if we take it backwards, that often what comes out of our mouth is what's been in our mind because that's where our hearts have been. But it doesn't need to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. So how do we respond to all these words that James has told us about the danger of our tongue? In fact, it almost seems hopeless, doesn't it? When we hear his words, and it's true that that we cannot control our tongue. We cannot tame it on our own. But God's word tells us that we need to go to him. We need his help as we begin to think about the words that we speak. As we consider all these words that James has spoken, I'm sure you're like me in which you stop and you say, you know, I know more than anyone else the times that the words I have spoken have not been what they ought to be. So I go back to the prayer I started with, in which out of Psalm 19, David wrote these words. And I want us to end with this thought, in which David said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In fact, even though we did it at the beginning, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to invite you in your own heart to whisper this prayer to God. Maybe you need to whisper this prayer this morning to God. And in the next little while, when you get up, just sit or walk or whatever you're going to do and say this to the Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I want to end with this. Here are some real questions that we can ask ourselves. Because the questions and and the heartbeat that we have really speak when we think of the tongue to our whole approach in serving Jesus. He has done so much for us. And I know that if you know him as Lord and Savior, that in your heart you love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And that is what God's called us to do. We are to love him with all our heart. But what did he say we need to do afterwards? Love our neighbors as ourselves. And Henry Nguyen came up with some real questions that we need to ask ourselves. And I want to read them to you. And I want to ask you to consider these questions in your own life, especially as it relates to your words to the things that you have said or posted. And here's what he wrote. These are the real questions. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of anger 
and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? May the Lord help us in controlling our tongues. God bless.